Welcome to the Confluence Investment Management Bi-Weekly Geopolitical Report for May 15, 2023. I'm Donna O'Donnell sitting in for Phil Adler. For almost eight decades now, investors have faced a risk that the world's great powers could come into conflict and unleash devastating nuclear war. But it seems a few people have responded to that risk by refusing to invest. Confluence market strategist Patrick Farron Hernandez joins us today to discuss China's new effort to build up its nuclear arsenal and why it will likely produce not only risks, but opportunities. Patrick, it was surprising to read in your article that China is building up its nuclear force. It seems that Americans usually focus on Russia as the big nuclear threat. When did China start this buildup? Well, hi, Donna. Yes, it's true that people usually don't focus on China as a nuclear power, but the country has had nuclear weapons ever since the mid-1960s. The difference is that China for decades maintained only a bare minimum arsenal, just big enough and survivable enough to deter any country from attacking it. Until just a few years ago, China only had about 200 nukes. In contrast, the U.S. and Russia rapidly built up their nuclear forces in the early decades of the Cold War eventually reaching roughly 20,000 nukes each before starting to cut those numbers via arms control treaties. Currently, under the new START treaty between the U.S. and Russia, both sides can deploy only about 1,550 nuclear weapons apiece. Why did the Chinese government suddenly decide to expand their nuclear arsenal? Well, as I discussed in the article, it's not because China is suddenly under threat. Whether you look at China's northern border with Russia or its western borders facing friendly Central Asian states or its southwestern and southern borders or its southeastern and eastern coastlines, China faces no significant threat to its sovereignty. And besides that, after its development boom of the last 30 years, the country is now massively strong in economic, technologically, military, and political terms. And herein lays the answer to your question. Chinese leaders deliberately played things cool while the country was relatively weak. Now they sense that they have enough power to throw their weight around, and nuclear weapons are a wonderful way to do that. Finally, lots of nukes would help China deter the U.S. from intervening if it tried to take control of Taiwan by force. So where does China's arsenal stand now, and how does it compare with Russian and U.S. arsenals? Well, China is not very transparent about its nuclear arsenal, but a number of official and private analysts in the West estimate that it currently has a little more than 400 warheads. China also has about 475 launching systems for its nukes, and some of those launching systems can deliver Chinese warheads all the way to the continental United States. Well, even though the prospect of a nuclear arms race or nuclear conflict is rather frightening, we all know that the U.S. and the Soviet Union were able to avoid this worst case scenario during the Cold War. How were they able to do that? Well, the scariest phase of the Cold War nuclear standoff was at the beginning, when each side was rapidly building up its forces, strategists were still thinking through how the weapons might be used, and there wasn't any arms control regime to rein things in. But eventually, two key elements of the U.S.-Soviet relationship were reached. First was what we call parity, or roughly equal numbers of weapons on each side. In simplistic terms, parity is important because it reduces the chance that either side is going to think it's strong enough to strike first, or that either side feels at such a disadvantage that it has to strike first. The second key element was mutually assured destruction, or MAD. Basically, MAD is achieved when each side's force structure is set up so that its adversary would be pretty sure that if it launched an initial strike against the other, the other side would have enough surviving weapons to retaliate and destroy it in turn. The nuclear 
standoff during the Cold War was still pretty precarious and scary, but parody and mad eventually produced a kind of uncomfortable calm. If China builds up its nuclear arsenal to something like Russian or U.S. levels, how concerning is that really? Well, it's very concerning because that relative stability of the bipolar U.S.-Soviet nuclear standoff can never be achieved in a tripolar world with three major nuclear powers. Again, in simplistic terms, think of it like this. If China builds up its force to the point where it also has 1,550 nuclear warheads, equal to the amount that the U.S. and Russia each have right now, then the U.S. would face a combined 3,100 weapons held by its adversary nuclear powers. The U.S. government almost certainly wouldn't tolerate that, so it would start to build up the U.S. nuclear arsenal, let's say, to about 3,100. But what happens then? Well, China and Russia would each face a U.S. adversary with twice the number of weapons they have individually. They would likely respond by boosting their arsenals to 3,100 each, and then the process would start again. It seems highly likely that the situation would devolve into a nuclear arms race, and the unstable, changing power relationships would present a constant worry that one or another country would feel compelled to launch a strike because it's either so powerful or so weak. So the issue is that the U.S. has to be concerned about China and Russia colluding against it. Is that right? Well, that's a big part of the problem. But another part of the problem is that China and Russia might not trust each other and might take advantage of each other. For example, if China and the U.S. got into a nuclear exchange, firing off a big part of their arsenals and suffering enormous damage in the attacks, Russia might decide to take advantage of the situation by attacking both. This just illustrates how incredibly unstable the coming world could be. In your article, you focus on the interplay between China, Russia, and the U.S., but how does the Chinese nuclear buildup affect other countries? Well, you're right. My article focuses largely on the big nuclear powers, but there are several other countries that have smaller nuclear arsenals, such as the U.K., France, India, and Israel. And there are several countries that analysts think could quickly develop nukes if they decided to, such as Japan and South Korea. In this increasingly unstable world, the smaller nuclear states and the nuclear-capable states might decide they can't rely on the U.S., China, and Russia, so they might have an incentive to build up their own forces. Since many of those states have their own regional geopolitical rivalries, you could get not only a broadening in the nuclear arms race, but also the potential for regional nuclear wars. It sounds like China's nuclear buildup makes the world less stable in a number of ways. Is that what you mean by the metaphor of the famous three-body problem in physics? That's exactly it. In interplanetary physics, when any two celestial bodies are within each other's gravitational pull, scientists can readily predict the motion of the two bodies in space so long as they know each body's initial position, mass, and velocity. Armed with that data, for example, scientists can predict the relative positions at any given time of two asteroids, two planets, or two stars that are orbiting around each other. But in the three-body problem, 
When three celestial bodies are in proximity with each other, scientists have discovered that there's no way to predict their motions or their future positions in space, even if you know their respective initial positions, masses, and velocities. Scientists refer to the three-body system as chaotic. Indeed, this new nuclear world is likely to be much more chaotic than the relatively stable, highly globalized world of the three decades after the Cold War. Your article suggests investors should not simply respond to the Chinese buildup by putting their heads in the sand and pretending it doesn't exist. You suggest looking for ways to take advantage of it. What opportunities are presented by China's buildup? Well, you know, we really believe that wishing away difficult situations doesn't make sense. In fact, risky situations often involve opportunities as well. As I write in the article, riches have been made in time of war or geopolitical tensions, and that's likely to be the case here as well. For example, China's nuclear buildup will likely exacerbate the existing U.S.-China tensions that are already in play and worsen the global fracturing into relatively separate geopolitical and economic blocks, which we've been talking about, that should keep military budgets on the rise, leading to outperformance by defense industry stocks. In addition, the global tensions will likely boost commodity prices, especially for uranium. Why not just invest in companies that make nuclear warheads and missiles? Well, that might seem to be a logical approach, but making nuclear weapons is usually only a small part of a big company's business or a big part of a smaller private company's business. As far as we're aware, there's no real pure play nuclear weapons company, but that's okay. Like I mentioned, China's nuclear buildup will likely play into the general tensions between China and the West, leading to increased military spending in a general sense. Your article also mentions that bonds are likely to be one asset that will definitely be challenged in the new, less stable world ahead. Why is that? Well, one of our big themes is that the U.S.-China rivalry is contributing to the way the world is fracturing into relatively separate geopolitical and economic blocks. Global supply chains are being rejiggered and shortened, which makes them less efficient and higher cost. We think higher cost supply chains will contribute to higher prices, higher inflation, and higher interest rates in the future, all of which will likely be negative for bonds. Indeed, we think bonds are now moving into a long lasting bear market. Thank you, Patrick. Our discussion today is based upon sources and data believed to be accurate and reliable. Opinions and forward-looking statements expressed are subject to change without notice. This information does not constitute a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security. Our engineer is Dane Stoll. I'm Donna O'Donnell.